glad you guys are here. I think uh, Fuse is an awesome place because it's an honest place. It's not, it's like, I'm, I was going to say I don't want to ruin that, but it's glasses falling out as I'm picking it up. Like, here's what I love about Fuse. It's not like, it's not like you show up here and there's a group of people who, like, look the same, talk the same, dress the same, and you can, in your mind, compartmentalize and be like, oh, they have it together. In fact, it's like the, it's like the iconic place for strays. Like for people who don't have really anything together or anything to offer, but they're here for one reason, and that reason is Jesus. And so here's what I'd say. It's just like moving forward, it's always funny to me like growing up at home and then like I go home. Today I saw my house for the last time, the, the, the home I grew up in. And uh, it's a weird feeling. But one of the things that my mom would always say, she would text me and say, hey, like, before I get home, I want you to do the dishes. And I'd say, all right, Mom, that's fine. I'll do dishes. And then I get home later than I thought. And I get to the sink, and all the dishes are clean and put away, and they're gone. It is the worst feeling. <laughs> You're like, where is she? Plotswa, she's behind you with a dagger. And so she's there, and she's getting ready to, like, whatever, like, what moms do, they just decimate you. They can. And, and, and I love this. I, I love this idea of, like, not having things together. And if you know me, and you've ever been uh, in my old Jeep, or now uh, I got a forerunner, if you've ever been in that thing, there, there's someone living inside of it. No question. Like, it is the nastiest, dirtiest thing I have. Stop nodding your head. Okay, so it is one of the grossest things in the world. So, like, I live in Firewheel Mall, and uh, I was like, clearly in me, I don't have what it takes to clean my life up. Like, I don't have what it takes to get things together. I don't have what it takes to, to like, clean my car or to um, clean my house or things like that. It's just difficult. So before staff meeting, uh, every Tuesday, is funny, Melissa actually made fun of me for buying this, but in the $5 section, I always go buy books, like as much as I could buy books, I buy them. So there's one called uh, One Year to an Organized Life. So I, I got about eight days into this. That was like five months ago. Haven't really picked it up since. But let me ask you a question, just, just with this book. So it's $5, in a whole year, I get to learn how to master time management, I get to make my kitchen efficient. Wow. Okay. Permanently organize closets and drawers. Why would I do that? Okay. <laughs> I just disagree with that fundamentally. Uh, deal with your finances. Yeah, right. Okay. Reclaim dumping grounds. Like the guest room. <laughs> Garage or basement. Uh, declutter the kids' room. Ah. Don't look at me for that one. Organize your travel plans, whatever you says, and then entertain with joy. So I have, this book offers me all those opportunities. Let me ask you a very simple question. When I bought the book and I walked out of the store, was my life put together? When I walked out and I was like, oh my gosh, I have my whole year ahead of me. I have everything charted out. If I just obey this for one solid year, at the end of the year, then I have something. But when I walked out, was my kitchen efficient? <laughs> okay. Was my time mastered? Okay. My dumping grounds. <laughs> okay, that is, whatever that is, is <laughs> that is definitely out of order. But here's the thing. Having the book didn't actually make my house clean. What makes my house clean? 
Yeah. Like General Patton said, he's one of the most famous generals like, in, that our country's ever produced. But he said, he said uh, a war is not won by weapons, but won by man. And so it's really funny. I walk out of the store and I have all the tools. I have to do this. And I can actually read through the whole thing, but what makes the difference? Just, okay, I'm really just being simple right now. I don't want to be over the top spiritual. If I just do what this says, I get a clean house, right? Somebody disagree with me right now, please. Okay, if I just obey this for one year, then my dumping grounds will be clean. (laughs) And my kitchen will be efficient. My time will be put together. But if I just read this and I agree with it, but never act on it, will my house be put together? It's a pretty simple illustration, right? Okay, crazy wisdom, which is pretty cool. Uh, We have about two messages left. And and what we're talking about this series specifically is like, how do you stand on your own? Like if if I don't ever show up here again, if God takes me home tomorrow and and Fuse is, is meeting here next Wednesday, if Fuse didn't meet next Wednesday and I was gone tomorrow, I would be so bummed. I wouldn't be, I'd be Jesus, so I wouldn't. I would be kind of bummed, but not really. I mean, the thing is, is like, can you stand on your own? Like, what's stopping you from going to a third world country? And what's stopping you from evangelizing at Eastfield or Colin next year? Or, or the school you're at now? What is, what's stopping you? Do I need to be here? Does Melissa need to be here? Does Charlotte need to be here? Does Emma or Janae, do, are these the people here that make your spiritual life abundant? Or is it something that you actually have the power to move on? Jesus actually can answer this whole thing in three verses. So uh, this is pretty cool. Our podcast is actually going back up uh, tonight. So on Spotify, if you look up Cornerstone Fuse or like uh, whatever Apple Podcasts, it's obviously it's totally free. We actually we charge 99 cents per message. So you can hop on there and you can keep up with us if you're not here. So there's people who actually went to school and then still listen to the Fuse podcast, which I thought was amazing. <clears throat> So if you have a Bible, this is the most important thing. Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and head to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Okay. Matthew 7 verse 24. All right, before we hop into this, let's, let's actually just go before great God and ask him for wisdom. Lord Jesus, it's impossible to understand your message without the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to illuminate our hearts right now and give us eyes to see and ears to hear this wonderful message that liberates the people from the darkest places. God, as we reflect on uh, all that you are and what you came here to accomplish, I pray we would have a deep adoration in our heart for you because you are our champion and you continue to compete for us. We love you so much, Jesus. In your name, amen. All right, thank you. Verse 24 says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Go ahead, grab a seat for me. All right, I need a volunteer. I need uh, help if somebody can come up here. I'm not going to make you do something weird. That's, don't trust me when I say that. 
All right, can you come up here? All right, this is actually really, this is super simple, and it really isn't going to take a lot. So I got a quarter. Playing, he playing heads or tails. We're going to IHOP after this. So if, if you win right now, I'll pay for your food. But if I win, you pay for my food. Sound good? All right, you ready? Yeah, call in the air. Sure. Why do you hold on? Hey, you're not. This is his thing. Are you positive you want to go with this? Yeah, why not? You really could be wrong. I could really be wrong. Are you sure? No. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you a chance to change it. Okay. You positive? Yes. You guys think you should keep it or change it? Okay. It is heads. Wait, oh, hold on, hold on. Uh, heads and tails, they're two different things, right? Yeah. But they're on the same coin. Right? Yeah. So are they really that different? I, hear, I see some, yes. But if they're two sides of the same coin, do they have the same meaning? If you look at the head side, is it still worth 25 cents? Or if you look at the tail side, does it still have the same value? Grab a seat for me. If he would have, either way, we would have bought something for him because it actually is the same thing. It's different because that's how you perceive it. Your perception is that when you see the heads, that that means that's a side that you see. But in all reality, it's the same thing on both sides. And so the reason why I'm telling you that is a lot of times people will come to church and they agree with the, the concept or the idea of Jesus. And they'll say, I feel Jesus. And Jesus is, is illuminating my heart. You need that. You need Jesus to come in and actually bring you safety. It's a wonderful thing to feel him. And you should feel him. And you should long to feel him. But then there's another side of Jesus, and that's his word. Which leads me to my first point. I know we have the quote. We're going to skip the quote and go straight to the first point. Going for the jugular here. Jesus is his word, which seems fundamentally understandable. It sounds like that's something, of course I agree with that. But do you? Because at the times where you feel, you don't feel like Jesus loves you, you don't feel safe, it's weird because his word says that you are safe and he does love you. So where's the disconnect? You're saying you want Jesus, but you don't really want to read his word. So when you get up in the morning and you're not actually pursuing it, but like some of you guys, it's even worse because you do like, there's, a, there's an alarm clock in you and, you and you mark it off. And you mark off that quiet time for the day. You didn't really take it in. You're like, oh, it was a chapter. What you guys may not know is, is the chapter that we're reading is actually called, the, it's a compilation of one message. If you're just reading a chapter, then you only get one third of what Jesus was saying. So this whole idea is, is the Sermon on the Mount. Does anybody know what that is? Your eternity is actually based on this dialogue and conversation. Like what you're staking forever on is this, what we're talking about. Sermon on the Mount... <clears throat> It's really simple. It's, it's the first time Jesus went forward and said, this is who I am. It's when he actually came out and said, I am God. I'm 30 years old. And people go, oh my gosh, you, you, like, you build chairs. Like think about if you were the audience. Think about if you were like, you're at Heath or Rockwell High School and some kid who works at a furniture store 
comes up and says, I am the son of the living Lord. That's it. Put the drugs down. It doesn't work like that. You can't be God. You can't be God. I mean, that's so weird. Imagine if somebody here said, I mean, I'll take the walk-ins, for example. Imagine if James came to me and said, I am the living Lord. It would be a really weird thing. Do you know why? Because we know that family. I know his parents. How in the world could he be the son of God? That's the craziest thing in the world. But this is something that actually happened to this group of people. So I, I, I thought more about it. And I was so fascinated by this thing. So God ends this, the most important talk probably of his life that affects your eternal future. This one conversation that he has with thousands of people in front of him, and I love this, he ends with the story we just read. So in that, there's the Beatitudes, and there's all the different things in Sermon on the Mount. But he ends with these three verses. And what I didn't know is, is that back in that day, the Sea of Galilee, it, the, the cost of lakeside living, my parents just moved to, to like a house on the lake, and it cost them like an arm and a leg, and they donated blood and plasma. I'm just kidding. I don't know if they did that. But I remember it was so crazy. We, if, just a side note. I, I, I don't know if you've been loved like this before, but I remember my dad, we, side note, we, we were so incredibly poor when I was a kid. Didn't have like Christmas stuff. It, it was really weird. So my dad would actually donate blood to pay for our groceries. And then what they do is your blood sugar drops, so they give you gummies. So he would save the gummies for me and bring it home. I saw more of Jesus in that action than anything he's preached about. So, <clears throat> lakeside living there was not a fancy thing. It wasn't for the upper class. In fact, it was for the, the lowest of the lowly people. So if you lived on the lake, if you lived on the Sea of Galilee, you were broke. You were so incredibly poor. And so what would happen is during the summer months on the Sea of Galilee, on, on the seashore, the sand would be as hard as rock. So what, what would happen is for somebody who's really broke, if you were really poor, how you could actually build a house for your family, because you've got to understand what Galilee is. That was like the NYC. That was the L.A. for Jews of that time. So it was flooded. So the only place you could find real estate was on the beach. And so a lot of these people, a lot of people who followed Jesus were incredibly poor. And so what he, would, he said in illustration that actually meant something to them, because here's what would happen. When, when the fall would come around, the, the, that sand wouldn't keep it, the clay structure on top. So the house would fall when the sea would rise. So the smarter, wiser, poor people, what they would do is they would actually go further up the beach. Momentum people, <laughs> write this down. <laughs> and uh, what he would do is they would, dig, they would dig down to an actual bedrock. So you, you would actually hit the bedrock. So when Jesus is saying, a person builds their house on bedrock, it won't collapse because it's on bedrock. The bedrock is Jesus in the story. So the people were astonished because all the, all the religious leaders, were, they would talk with authority that wasn't real authority. They would say, make sure you don't do this and make sure you do this. And if your shirt has cotton and polyester, you're definitely going to hell. God's like, well, I, I don't think that. That's wrong we got to talk about what's, what's true, what's grace, like what, what matters. So the, the, the wise people, the wise poor people, would go a little bit up the beach, and then they would dig till they hit a bedrock, and they would start building on that, even though they had to be on the beach. Listen to this. If you are on the beach right now, you have an option. 
if you're going through an unimaginable, inconceivable situation in your life right now, you have two options. You have two options of what you can choose. You can choose to build your house on bedrock, or you can choose to build it on clay. But no one's forcing you to do either. And I promise you, refusing to do one or the other until someone does it for you is still a choice. It will come back to bite you. Don't want it to be that heavy. I want to come up. I want to end on top here. <clears throat> so verse 28 says this. This is two verses, so you can remain seated. Uh, thanks for standing specifically, though, at the red letters. I love that's Jesus talking. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Okay, so I'm, I'm just going to go off a, a real thing. I'm just going to ask you guys quite simply. Do people give you opportunities to trust them? Do people let you down? Do they continually let you down? And does it continually bother you? Why do you still do it? Why do you still lean on someone who literally, at this point, it's the same. You can't separate a fool from their foolishness. That's not something you can do. And actually trusting a fool is like chewing on a broken tooth. It's like chewing on a broken tooth or, or walking on a limp foot. Here's the difference. Trusting in God. Let me ask you another simple question. And don't, don't answer it like the, the way you think I would want you to. Is it possible for God to fail at anything? Is it possible for God to fail? Is it possible for people to fail? Is it possible for people to fail at representing God? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Okay, yes, it's so possible. So for someone whose bedrock isn't on Jesus, let's say it's somebody that you were dating, who you thought the entire time was an amazing Christian, a solid believer, can they, can they represent Christ in a faulty way? And is it possible for you to follow that way? We often don't understand the people that we trust. I, I, I love this. The people that we trust, God lets us trust in them for a little while, and he lets, us, he lets us see that it works for a minute. You know why? Because if it didn't work right away, then we could write it off and never go back to it. But God lets it work for a minute so that when it comes crashing down and our foundation is gone, we have nothing else but him. Some of you haven't been in that situation yet. Some of you, like God is waiting, and he, you're going to walk through things that are unimaginable. But the thing is, you won't be shaken if you build your house, your foundation, your structure on Jesus. Now here's the thing. There's two ways you can do this. Two sides of the coin, right? Some of you guys have heard me feelings bash. Like facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> like, like Jesus doesn't necessarily, like, He's not concerned with wherever your feelings go. That's why he implements the Bible into your life, to straighten out those things that don't work. But Jesus still interacts with your feelings. And here's the reason why he does. Like, it's crazy. I remember the first time, like, God called me to ministry. I was driving through uh, Rockwall, and the person I was dating was so incredibly unhealthy. And I was so trapped in a poisonous relationship. And it, I was, like, 18, and I remember coming up. You know where the dip is in Rockwall? 
one of the churches, there was a cross, and I, I remember this, I was steeple, and I was coming up over the hill, and I, there's a, there was a song by Chris Tomlin. <laughs> I hope he hears that one day. It's like there's all these weird people who do that after my name. And there's, there's a song that he has, and it says, there's a line, and it says that death has no final sting, has no final word. And when I came up, when I, when I was driving up, and uh, the, the hill broke, and, the, and I was coming, in the, and it was like the cross was rising. And when I saw it, I knew that all my sins had been paid for. And I can't tell you what happened. I just pulled over, and I sobbed, because I knew like, Jesus let me feel the weight of the sin that he paid for. And that was amazing. But that's one side of the coin. The other side of the, of, of the coin is truth and righteousness. And when Jesus was tempted in the desert, when, he, when, when Satan was saying, you haven't eaten for 40 days, but you could turn that rock, you turn that rock into a loaf of bread. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, I don't live by bread alone, but I live by every word of God. That's what his foundation was. When he was 40 days starving, when Jesus was 40 days starving, he lived off of God's word and not the feeling of hunger. See, the thing is, is there's so many things in your life. There's so many things that are going to hit you like a ton of bricks. But here's the truth of God, is that you will face trials and tribulations, but take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. See, it leads me to my next point. Our strength comes from not how we listen to God's word, but how we act on it. See, it's amazing because I, I, like when you, it's hard to explain, and I'm not even a married guy yet, so I don't really know what I'm saying. In fact, I just don't know what I'm saying. Like before Janae came into my life, it was just like me living in my house and my tortoise. Conversation wasn't a lot. It was very minor conversation. And so when I lived by myself, all the things that I did only affected me. But it was amazing, like, when I'd go to Janae's house, or when she would come over and we'd cook dinner for our guests and our friends, like, the time that she's there, I realized really quickly that my decision-making actually affects her. And she's hurt by the things that I do. And I'm like, well, I've lived, I've lived here for forever. This is my house. I pay for it. Well, who cares? I have a different responsibility now. It's not the same. And I actually see how much of a sinner I am. And, and actually, it, it's almost like a reflection. God will put someone in your life to show you. He'll actually show you. Like, when you, when you meet up with someone one day, the person will show you how much of a sinner you actually are. But as long as you live by yourself, you'll just think that everything that you do is fine. You'll go, well, that's the way I've always done it. And then God brings you in, and he says, <clears throat> No. We're just simply no. That's not how it works. And so I, 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 it's crazy because I, I remember like all the times that I've sinned. And I remember all the times that I, that I, I fall short and I, and I sometimes capitalize on it. But one time I, I just remember it was like uh, my mom and Sam and Janae were all uh, in the house. And we were getting ready before the Don Treader and there's a lot of stress. It's like all these like weird musicians and they, sometimes they're like six foot five and wear full makeup. And it's just a lot. It's like, it's like trying to catch water from a fire hydrant with a Dixie cup. It's just like, <laughs> you don't know what to do with all that. So they're all trying to tell me something. They're like, well, your hair looks bad. and Like, impossible. 
And then he's like, oh, well, you got to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, everybody back off. <laughs> I get this matter. And I blew up. And I remember this. I looked down to my eye like, you don't know how hard my life is. I'm a man. Respect me. And I, after I got done with that really passionate speech, I turn and look, and my Bible is sitting right there on the shelf. I'm like, you big, strong man. Way to go. You raise your voice at two women and your little brother. The worst part about that is when I saw the Bible, it was closed. And that showed me a lot about myself. See, a wicked and perverse generation will ask for signs and wonders. That's 2 Corinthians. Go read it. It's not wrong to ask God for miracles. But if you're asking God for a light show, you're wasting your time. Because there will be people who prophesy in his name and cast out demons, and God will look at them and say, get away from me, I have never known you. See, the truth is, if your house is built on bedrock, you know that you're only saved by grace, and there's no action in you that qualifies you to be in the kingdom of God. Better yet, there's no action that you have that qualifies you to receive love from him and care. And when you're hurting, he meets you in the times where you're alone, in the times where you're sitting on the floor and you're crying, and there's just tears falling in from your face. The Son of God actually comes into your home, comes into your heart, comes into your life. And you know what he does? He comforts you, and he makes you feel safe. But he does that through his word. And you cannot separate the time you spend in his word from the feelings you want to get from him. What you have to do is you have to say, God, I love you so much. I love you so much that I can't actually get off the, the phone with you. I can't actually like, close the word. I can't close the Bible. I, I can't keep myself away from it. Like I get up and the first thing I, I, I got to do is check in with you. The first thing I got to do is talk to you. The first thing I got to do is open what you have to say because it matters to you so much that you died for what you said. So now I receive it. But God didn't just write it for me to listen to it like I agree with it like some sort of political move. Like the reason why God wrote it for you so that it would change your life every single day. If you're with me, say Amen. He gives you direction and he gives you guidance so that when you get hit with the trouble, you go like this. Okay, I know what I'm doing here. Like a really simple one. A really easy one to go off of. As foolish as the man who who talks too early in the morning for his words are not a blessing, but it's a curse. That's Proverbs 26. So I read that and go, okay, I could do that one. I can't get all of the Bible. But you know what? I'm going to shut up in the morning. Okay, got it. Let's go. I can do that, Okay. Okay, I got it. Okay, so the, the next one. I love this. A, bo- a bowl of vegetables with a friend is far better than a steak with someone you despise. Okay, well, let me weed out all the, the people that I'm eating steak with right now. I'm going to go start serving up some vegetables. <laughs> like, but it's worth it. I mean it. There's so many people that I've come across in church who are so fake to me. And instead of me watching how fake they are, I need to start watching how holy God is. And the people who actually see his holiness and don't let their eyes fall on the brokenness of man, what they do, I say, can you come have a bowl of vegetables with me? I can't stand on my own. 
I don't got it right now. I don't have it together. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me act on scripture? Chris Vike is an amazing, amazing man of God. Incredible man of God. And it's crazy. In some of the hardest times in his life, he'll actually come to me and say, hey, how can I help you love the Lord better? Like he even has the capacity to care for me. One of the strongest men I have ever seen in my life. And I'm blown away. And the 15 minutes that he gives me to talk to him, I'm not even worthy of that. So I just got a, I got this Forerunner, and it's like an old, it's like a 2003 Forerunner, and uh, I, it's a V8, like I've never had that before. It's so like the first thing I did, like the day I got it, was go to this creek bed and just like, like seriously, like I re- my Texas was showing, like it was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was, it was bad. Like, I almost ruined my car. And I think it's funny. It's like, imagine if, so like, I, I, I open the, the glove box or whatever, and the owner's manual's in there, and I go, oh, this is nothing else in here. I shut the thing. So I'm at, I break my car in this, which I haven't, but imagine if I did. I broke my car, and I come in, and I go, no, no, no. I feel connected to this car. The car is mine. And the car makes me feel safe. I know, I know that the relationship between me and the car for it to get me to where I need to go needs help right now. But instead of what, if I, like, what I'm going to do, instead of focusing on like, the instructions on how to fix it, I feel like I'm just going to go about it until something feels right. Like I'm going to start working on the block. I'm going to start taking things apart until it just feels right. And I get in the car and turn the, turn the keys. If I feel like I put the car back together well, will it start? <laughs> you say probably. I, let me tell you for a fact. I, it will not start. If it's me. <laughs> Maybe some other guys in here for sure. But the thing is like, imagine it's like me and the Lord need work. And I go, well, Lord, I feel this way. And I blah, 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 blah. And I rant at him. And I don't open his love letter to me at all. And I try to fix it on myself. Well, I come out on top. Do you see why it's in your life? It's not so that some like older person at church could go, hey, are you reading that? Hey. Hey. You've got to be reading that right now. And you feel guilty. You coming to Fuse is not about you feeling guilty. It's about you experiencing the most opportunity you've ever experienced in your whole life. If you're with me, say amen. See, on the other side, like, when you go to college, like, a church that I'm just going to immediately tell you is unhealthy. If they get up there and the Bible's not open at all, and they're talking about God but not reading from what God declares himself to be. Get the hell out of that church. Run as fast as you can away from that church. If, if you go to a church and the Bible is not open, run, 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 run. Do not go there. The minute we stop reading the Bible at Fuse and stop teaching from it, you leave here as fast as you can. If somebody comes here and says, we, we have visions and signs and things like that, and if it's backed by Scripture, and Scripture gives them permission to do it, run with it. Go with it. Experience the miracles of God and His supernatural power. Run at it. But there is no foundation if there is no word. How can you stand if you don't understand? 
the Supertones is like a really old band from Scotland, and they have a, a song called Grounded. And that's what the whole song is about. They say, how can you stand if you don't understand? Fight like a man, the scripture's in hand. See, the proverb that God taught me today, like I'm just telling you, the proverb God taught me today, is in the same way that diamonds and sapphires and rubies are purified by fire, so are tested by fire. So is a person, a person is tested by how they respond to praise. It's all about you standing on scripture. You answer back with scripture. And don't concern yourself with things that are beneath you. You have too much to do. You have too much to accomplish. Look at me. Everybody look at me. I believe that God has amazing plans for your life. If you abide in him, there's amazing things that God is going to do through you. Powerful things. I don't want to sit around and talk about if you feel like you're a man or a woman or not. I don't got time for that. And the reason is I'm not being mean towards that. Here's what I'm actually saying. So there's, I have brothers and sisters here who went to Guatemala. I saw a baby take the shape and form of a trash can that it was left in and then rescued and put back in a crib. I don't have time to talk about that stuff while babies are dying in the dirt. And neither do you. More of the world will see who you really worship by the way that you act and not by what you just agree with. A filter on your profile picture doesn't actually make you anything. This all comes down to something very simple. It's you hear the word of God and then use as savagely as you possibly can. Like tonight when you go home, you look, you look at your phone. There's nothing that's going to give me life on this. Looking at some girl taking a picture of herself in the bathroom with a Bible verse underneath it isn't actually going to change your life. If you're with me, say amen. Praise God. You actually saying with the phone, it's like, I don't need the phone as much as I need the person who loves me more than anybody. And I'm going to run after him as hard as I can. Every person in this room who's a leader is committed to seeing that happen in your life. The healthiest church in the Bible is 15 people. The Thessalonican church. I don't care what size Fuse is. I don't care if there's five people who come to Fuse. What I care about at the end of the day is if the five people that show up, if they're here because they're so passionately in love with God, there's nothing else for them in this world. Because there's a hurting, dying world, and they need us. Go to the last point, if we can. <clears throat> Wisdom is, should say the, sorry, is the habitual pursuit of God's character. Okay, I didn't plan on tonight being so heavy, but here's, here's what I'll say. It's just like, I, when I was a kid, I used to, I mean, my Texas was just always, like, waiting to manifest itself in California, I just didn't, like, so I, like, shot out windows on accident, I shot birds, I did all this stuff, and Californians lose their mind over that stuff. Like, they lose the, the, the frontal cortex of their mind just falls out and hits the ground, and they don't know how to speak English. My neighbor tied herself to a tree 
because the housing development, the tree went into her backyard, but they're building houses on the other side of the fence. And so she was saving a birdhouse that the previous owner had. So my cousin Ronnie and I, we climbed this chimney. Classic Ronnie, man. I, I don't even know how that guy's doing anymore. But Ronnie was uh, just kind of a squirrely guy. He's like, man, he's from Colorado, and he's like, hey, listen, I got these new BB guns, and uh, I know that your neighbor really loves birds a lot. We should just get together and... I was like, sure, let's do it. So we're perched up this chimney, like my fence runs up, and the chimney goes like this, and our feet are on the thing, like perched up against the, the chimney. At this time, I had been expelled from school. I did all my homeschool work, and I was sitting in the chimney, and we're just sitting there, beef jerky, waiting for the birds to come. And so, like, the birds come in, and he's like, all right. He's like, all right, two clicks to the left. And I was like, okay, I'm taking these off. And I shoot this bird, and the bird just, like, does this thing and hits the ground. And I felt horrible. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I shot you in the face. And I run over to the, the other side, and I hop the fence. And who is it but crazy bird lady who gets out of her car and she sees me with these huge gloves on. This is like 11-year-old Isaac. And I was like picking up the bird. And the bird's like beak is just like gone. It's like, and I'd, I thought you were going to get up and leave. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> Back in California, I guess. And uh, the, the, the bird is like sitting there and it's like dying. And I was like, God, as long as I live, I'm not going to shoot another bird again. And I went to the pot's house and that just fell through. And so like, and so, and so, like, uh, she's like, what happened to it? And I was like, it appears it may have hit a window. And she's like, it, there's a bullet hole in it. Like, the pellet hole is through the, the head. And I'm like, it must have come from the window. <laughs> she's like, she's like I, I really don't think so. Do you know anybody who's, like, are you guys shooting stuff? And she just asked me outright. Because you could definitely tell, looking at the bird, that it had been shot. It's really not hard to see that. Usually when a bird hits a window, it dies. That's why you walk out and see it like that. And so it, we were sitting there talking about this, and, like, Ronnie is looking over the fence like this. And I was like, Ronnie, I hate Ronnie. And he's sitting in the chimney, and he, like, buries the gun. And she, like, sees me make eye out of Ronnie, and Ronnie just goes, <laughs> like, and hides in the chimney. And I laugh so hard about that. Like, whenever I think about it, I go, what are we doing? And what is she doing? Like, here's the thing. When Jesus comes into your life, he gives your day purpose. Jesus didn't come here and die for birds. And birds don't live for you. So if you're protecting, like, all these things, they're not living their life for you. In fact, they don't care. They're thinking, where's food and where's a mate? And why is this giant trying to capture me? That's, like, the three things they're thinking about. That's the only things they care about. And we're sitting here fighting each other over dogs and cats and all these things. Well, meanwhile... Again, I'm not making this political. This is the world that we live in. Over the last year, in our country alone, there were 380,000 abortions performed in our country. Based off that trajectory, and for as long as that pattern has existed, in 40 years from now, we, we will have passed the Holocaust for the amount of people murdered and killed. And I'm being so honest with you. It's going to come down to you and the world that we're going to grow up in to actually say, no. But you can't do that without the word. You cannot stand if, if your whole foundation is built on conjecture 
if it's built on feelings, if it's built on those things, God, God gives you feelings for you and him for you, and it's intimate. But it's not what the relationship is designed for. See, I'm learning how to, in my life, to just build a relationship right now. I, I was telling you guys before, I was part of a really abusive, unhealthy relationship. And now I'm not. And it's really different. It's really awesome to be a part of that. But the truth is, I've never seen a book on how easy marriage is. I haven't seen that book yet. <laughs> I know a relationship is really hard work. And it's really cool, like, the times, like, we got to go see Endgame. And there's times where it's fun and, like, I don't know what your convictions are, but like for me, I don't care. Email somebody if this offends you. But like holding hands with my girlfriend is an amazing thing. And it's not, I don't know, I'm not, it's not something I'm convicted by. And so, I'm so tired, I don't know. So, so sitting there, and it, that's cool. And in those times where it's just fun and I feel like I'm connecting, that's not what the relationship is built on, though. Actually, what I'm realizing is relationship is built on a lot of really hard things. It is so really, I mean, it's so difficult. Hey, when you do this, it hurts my feelings. Hey, when you do this, it offends me. Get over it. That works for two guys listening to me. Brothers, (laughs) if you want to live a long life, which I found out the other day, mine could have been cut real short. It's more important that you stop defending yourself and you just listen. You can't fix it. You're not going to fix it. I wish I would listen to my granddad a long time ago. He said, man, you're going to have to learn. And it's going to be the hardest way. <laughs> There's nothing I could do to tell you, but time will teach you. But I'm realizing that her feelings are more important than me being right. We know that, and we feel that. But the Bible is more important than your feelings. And what it has to say about everything is more important than how it makes you feel. The thing is, is listen, that might hurt, and there's things in the Bible that might confuse you. And there's things you might read that are really hard to understand. Do you know that it's okay to be, be struggling with something that Scripture says? It's not okay to not talk about it. So Madison, Connor, Emma, Janae, Dan, Melissa, Sharla. So many leaders have been here. And they're just here for you now. But you got to actually stop doing hard work and start doing habitual work. Here's what I mean by that. It's better that you read one verse a day than not read your Bible for seven days and then cram in three or four chapters. It's better that you apply one verse to your life a day than to go through everything and try to force it on yourself. Because the feelings that you want from God, a healthy relationship, the things that make you feel safe, the things that make you feel good, they come from healthy communication. God is a God of clear communication. If you agree with me, say amen. So he writes to you how much he loves you so that when you choose to read it, 
you open it and you get both sides of the same coin. You get Jesus and his person, and then you get the eternal truth. The grass withers, Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need, I shall not want. See, you get all the feelings you think you need and you want to have from God when you pick up his word and you start applying it to your life. Dan's going to come up. <clears throat> and uh, I'll just kind of invite the, the worship band up now. <clears throat> As I say before, um, there's going to be a group of leaders outside. Um, so that's like me, Luke, Melissa, Emma, Sharla. And we'll be out at the table, and we're just going to be there to pray with you. It's not like judgmental stuff. Like, if you knew what happened in this week for me, like, I have to go pray with somebody, and I have to talk with somebody. So what I'm saying to you is, like, everybody's out here not to judge you, but to support you and encourage you. Uh, are you ready? You guys ready? Um, is they're just kind of getting plugged in, I was going to ask you guys, does everybody here know who Ronald Reagan is? Do you know what he's famous for? <laughs> he was an actor. What? He was a president, but he did a really awesome action. Not a Reagan fan. <coughs> He said something, basically one of his most famous quotes. Does everybody look at me real fast? He pointed at somebody and said what? Does anyone remember this? <laughs> he said, Gorbachev, you tear down that wall. And there was a wall separating uh, two different sides of Berlin. And so he called this guy out and said, you tear down that wall. Billy Graham says, the spines of others are stiffened when somebody chooses to make the right decision. Ronald Reagan is buried in my hometown. He's buried in Simi Valley, California. And I remember the day that he was buried. And one of the coolest things I had ever seen was a lone piper. You know what that is? Let somebody tell me what a lone piper is. What? I don't know if you guys know this, but to have a bagpipe played at your funeral is the highest mark of honor there is. It means that you lived with all the life you had in you. It means that you accomplished something. It means that you achieved something. It is not a participation trophy. You don't get bagpipes for existing. You get bagpipes for changing the world. I'm going to ask you something. If you died right now, you run into the arms of God, and he says, son, daughter, welcome home. Everybody would say, no, I was thinking about you the day you died. And when I rose again and walked out, I knew that you'd be in perfect joy right now. We talk about feelings. Wait till you see him. But on your day, Ecclesiastes says a wise man thinks more about his last day than his first day. 
when she went bagpipes there. Live to accomplish something for Jesus Christ. And let him be the power who accomplishes it through you. If I ever go before any of you guys, please use that platform to share the gospel. God has amazing plans for all of you. And you have a long life ahead of you. Full of adventure of every kind. Choose him to be your foundation.